Okay, there we go. Good morning, everybody. Very excited to be here. I told Rayleigh just a few minutes ago that when I got here this morning, I realized that today is our family's three-year peace anniversary. It's the first time we ever came. was the first Sunday of January 2020. What a fantastic year that turned out to be. Uh, It wasn't the first Sunday, though, because that that was the year that, that peace started taking the first Sunday off. So it was the first Sunday that... We met that year, and it was fantastic, and we've been so happy to be here and, and love the people here, so um, fun for me to be up here. Yeah. That's it. That's all I was going to say about that. <clears throat> uh, so I'm going to read from Isaiah uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and I'm going to read a translation by Dr. Wilda Gaffney. Uh, she's a fantastic and brilliant Old Testament scholar. And she, in her series, A Woman's Lectionary for the Whole Church, the translations that are in there are her translations because she is smart. And so uh, this passage says, And it will be in the coming days, the the mountain of God's home shall be the highest of the mountains and shall be elevated beyond the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Let us go and ascend the mountain of the Holy One of Sinai to the home of the line of Rebekah that God may teach us God's ways, and that we may walk in God's paths. For, our, for out of Zion shall go forth in, instruction and the word of the Holy One from Jerusalem. God shall judge between the nations and shall decide justly for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O line of Rebekah, come, let us walk. In the light of the Holy One of old. I gotta raise this up just a little bit. Sorry. There we go. Okay. All right. There we go. Uh, I have two epiphanies today, and I hope I'm not breaking the rules, Aurelia. I'm sorry. Uh, you can give me any parameters, so I'm gonna do whatever I want, because I am a creative preaching pastor. Um, and I'm gonna say too, this is one of the longer sermons that I will have given at peace. Don't sass me. I'm sorry. You have to put this. I'm sorry. Uh, I've shared before that when I was in school, a really wonderful person shared with me, uh, the heart cannot embrace what the butt cannot endure. And I've really taken that to heart. And so I tend to not uh, preach for very long. You'll have to bear with me today, though. Uh, I've recently gotten back into Star Trek a lot. Uh, just, just, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Just uh, a lot of binge watching of Star Trek. And it's been fantastic. And I love it. And that's where my first epiphany comes from. When I was a kid, my, my family at home and my extended family watched a lot of Next Generation. And that was, it was on at the time, and so we watched, they watched a lot of that, and I saw it. It was there. And when I was a little older, uh, I would watch Voyager reruns with my brother and my dad on Saturday nights. And so I had a deep emotional connection to a lot of the stories that are there. I wrote a great paper in college called The Devil in the Delta Quadrant um, about Star Trek Voyager. It was a lot of fun. But what I loved about the Star Trek universe from the time I was a kid was that we see a future where humanity has come together to form the United Federation, where peace and justice reign, and and a place where uh, Jewish journal reporter uh, Sheldon Tietelbaum says the Federation believes in outreach and mutual acceptance and respect as organizing principles. It's not a universe without its own problems. This future is not a complete utopia. There are still challenges and conflicts to be faced. However, the principles of harmony and cooperation guide the actions of the Starfleet officers as they explore the galaxy. 
Gene Ronberry uh, was not particularly Jewish or religious and uh, was anti-Semitic. Um, and throughout the, he was, it's just we're going to be honest about, about you know, who he was. Uh, throughout the many iterations of Star Trek, they come like just to the line of mocking some of the religious predilections of the alien species that they come across. These species that have these religions and uh, that they adhere to and, and they kind of see them as being pedestrian. And you almost never see any humans on the show from Earth that have any kind of religious affiliation. It's, it's, it's a, a story fairly devoid of religious affiliation. Um, despite that, the ideal of this new and improved world is reflected in the words of the prophet Isaiah, who speaks of a time when people will come together to work together and to serve the world together, when war will be learned no more. And, and we learn war. It's not something that I, I can't believe that it's something that we just come out and go, yeah, let's do it. Let's start killing some folks. That'd be great. I can't believe it's part of who we are from the beginning. We're, we're watching Stranger Things right now with Riker, and he loves it. And it's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. We've watched the whole thing, and it's fun to watch it with him because he's learning new things. He's seeing new things outside of what he watched a bunch of spoilers from on youtube before but it's fine but the other day we just finished season three and he he asked me if russian people are born speaking english and then learn russian <laughs> as no as far as i know nobody's born knowing how to speak any language you just learn the language that's around you that's like how language works and so we learn what's taught to us we learn what's showed to us we learn what we hear around us and, and so uh, that, that's, it's the same for, for so many of our um, basest actions that we take, the, the things that we do that, that can harm others and the things that we do that can, can help others and, and share love with others as well. Uh, and so just as those things are taught and learned, it stands for reason that they can be unlearned, no longer taught, and their opposites brought to bear, that we can teach the opposite of war. Um, musical rent says the opposite of war isn't peace it's creation and so we can teach these things the future that roddenberry imagined isn't just going to invent itself it requires the hard work and dedication of people who are committed to bringing about a just and peaceful world here in the south in the u.s and particularly at peace that manifests in the life and teachings of jesus and the group at large of Christianity, although many of us here have, have rejected what we would call white evangelical Christianity, and thank God for that. In Star Trek, we see characters like our captains, Kirk, Picard, Janeway, Sisko, Giroux, Pike, Freeman, and so many others who are constantly striving to do what is right and protect the innocent even when it is difficult and unpopular. They oftentimes fail at it. They and their crews are doing the best they know how in a world that, to be fair, does not exist, um, but, but is changing all the time with the new people and places they encounter. I know my observation of our world is that it's changing almost daily in the geopolitical landscape and, and the socioeconomic things happening all around us. The way that we have access to more people, places, and things than we ever have as, as we hurtle toward unknown outcomes. So as much as our 22nd to 24th century heroes continue working to hold together the world that was built for them, we have to continue to work to bring about the vision of peace and justice that Isaiah spoke of. 
requires us to stand up against injustice, to defend the marginalized and the oppressed, to work towards reconciliation and understanding with those who are different from us, to question empire and status quo. It's not easy and makes no friends of those in power, but by working off of the blueprint that Isaiah gives, the model that Jesus lives, and the ideals that Starfleet holds dear, we can work towards a future where swords are beaten into plowshares and nations no longer learn war. The second epiphany I've come to embrace is that one of the more important aspects of getting to that world is going to be listening to women. It's important not to miss the contribution that Dr. Gaffney gives us in this text where instead of uh, the house of Jacob, she gives us the option to say the line of Rebecca. A year and a half ago, I read uh, Kendall Rothis's book. She's a, a friend to our community uh, called Thy Queendom Come as I entered into uh, a year of chaplain residency where, where I would be working with patients and things like that in the hospital, but also in an educational setting with a, with a group of peers. And I made a, an internal commitment to myself to not speak or, or offer or add anything until there was at least one woman in our group who had done so. And as someone who likes to be the first to speak and give an answer so that everybody knows what a good boy I am, that was a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, I'm telling you. Um, Over the last year, I've been fortunate enough, though, to work in places where I've been supervised and and under women and women of color. And, And to learn from them, I can't quantify. Well, I could, but... We don't have that kind of time. Um, the, the things that I've learned in that time, I know it's changed me forever, though. I can't look at the world and not see the intentional subordination and damage done to women for the sake of keeping them subordinated and damaged. This is not the world that I want to pass on, particularly not to my daughters, who are thankfully already strong and independent women in their own right. When asked for kisses, Carly will regularly say, no, thank you, and move on. And Harper will regularly remind us, my body, my choice. Although this is more often about not wearing socks. Girl girl hates a damn sock, y'all. She does not want to put them on. Um, But even saying that feels like it took me having daughters to, like, see women as individual humans worthy of agency. And I hope that's not true. I've been surrounded by strong women my whole life. My grandmother survived cancer and raised three boys uh, for for quite some time in a time where she had far less agency as a single woman than than many women have today. Uh, My mother raised four kids on her own for years, fought and sacrificed to give us so many things while she went without. As sisters who have overcome personal hurts and, and bent the world around them to their will to create the reality they needed say nothing of the countless teachers, church mothers, and mentors, and so many others that I've had over the years. We often hear that one of the marks of Jesus was that he placed women on an equal level with men, and he did. We see several stories of that in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, too, we see a God who did this with the daughters of Zelophehad. There were these five women who were daughters of this guy named Zelophehad who died. And as the elders were splitting up all of the uh, land among the tribes and, and families of Israel, they went and said, hey, um, he's dead. There's no other men in our family. His land is ours. And Moses and the elders like, I don't, I don't know. So Moses goes to God and God's like, yeah, that's, that's their land, man. Give it to them. Move on. <laughs> and they did. Yo, I, I've been like in churches most of my life. 
and a degree in just Bible. That's what it says. I never heard that story until like two and a half years ago. How is that possible? Jael drives a stake through the temple of Cicero to end a mission led by Deborah. Rahab strikes a deal that makes her one of the more important women in Jewish history. Tamar demands her right as a woman to what she is entitled to and becomes a part of the lineage of Jesus. God enters the world birthed by a woman. It's a really great shirt from several years ago. You can still find it somewhere. It says God came to the world through a vulva. And a lot of people have a problem with that. Um, but, but his mother, Mary supports him to his dying hour and is there for them his entire life. Mary Magdalene and the other women that followed Jesus and his disciples, some of them were were wives of prominent Jewish men and leaders in the community, and they financially provided for Jesus and his male disciples. And on and on and on, we see so many stories. And so often today, we still relegate women to these roles and forget that they've played crucial roles in the story of Jews, Christianity, and throughout history. Today, women still bear more emotional and physical labor around the house and with the, with the family than men do when both are working outside of the home. Single women are often seen as missing out on the joys of being partner, and single men are lauded for not being tied down. It doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. Throughout history, women have been leaders in the fight for justice and equality, standing up against injustice and working to make the world a better place for all. Women like Cleopatra and the queens who ruled European nations while there were kings surrounding them. Women like Rosa Parks and Susan B. Anthony, Marie Curie and Henrietta Lacks, Dolly Parton and Aretha Franklin, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Katie Porter. Women like Caitlin Curtis and Aurelia Pratt who continue to show us there is another way. In the Star Trek universe, we see strong and capable female characters like Uhura, Beverly Crusher, Deanna Troy, Catherine Janeway, and so many others. They're integral to the crew and contribute to the mission of what's happening in those stories. So in pursuit of a future where swords are beaten into plowshares and nations no longer learn war, it has to be who we are, people who work for those things. So if we embrace the principles of peace, the examples of powerful women, we might just get there.